Welcome to worship this evening at Brookfield Christian Reformed Church, and welcome to those who are worshiping with us online. We are glad that uh, you could be with us as well this evening. It is one of the high holy days of the Christian year, Good Friday, the day that we remember Jesus Christ going to the cross and the paradox of why this day was ever called good. It's one of the things that we consider this evening. This book, uh, Scripture, is made up of promise, words of promise, and words of fulfillment. Throughout the season of Lent, we have been memorizing the words of promise in Isaiah 53. Tonight, uh, we combine those words with words of fulfillment from from Philippians chapter 2, and we use those words as our call to worship for this evening. His words will be on the screen. Let's read them together responsively as we come to the Lord in worship. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. taking the very nature of a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We set the tone and the focus for our evening with our opening songs. Our first hymn tonight is, O Sacred Head, Now Wounded, Let's Stand Together and Sing. But yours the deadly pain. 
God greets us this evening. Grace and mercy and peace are yours. In the name of God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our crucified and living Savior, and all of God's people said, Amen. Let's continue our worship with Ah, Holy Jesus. seated. 
Usually on Good Friday, we use one image as a focus, and that's the cross. Tonight, however, we will use multiple images, bread, light, a gate, a staff, all of the images used in the Gospel of John when Jesus makes the statement, I am. And we use all of these images this evening to give us a more complete, a fuller picture of Jesus and his crucifixion. Let's begin. Sisters and brothers, throughout Lent we have been learning about and challenged to respond to many of the I am statements of Jesus as recorded by John. Taken together, the I am sayings paint a simple and beautiful portrait of our Savior. We want to keep that picture in mind as we listen to John's telling of the Good Friday story tonight. To help us do that, we will use visible reminders of the I am statements, objects that represent each of them. These will serve, however imperfectly, to help us recall who Jesus said he was. We will also use these objects to visualize, in a small way, how Jesus' claims are opposed and even seem to be ripped apart as the Good Friday story unfolds. Let's start then with a reminder of the I am sayings of Jesus. From John 6. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. From John 8. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. From John 10. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Again, chapter 10. A staff represents the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. From John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. From John 14. A bridge represents the true way back to life with the Father. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. From John 15, the juice of grapes shows the fruitfulness of the vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. The bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the true vine. 
Jesus has said he is all of these. Tonight we consider, do the events of Good Friday destroy our hope that Jesus can be all these things? Or is it through this suffering and death that Jesus fully becomes what he declared himself to be? of the world you stepped out into darkness opened my eyes let me see beauty that made this heart adore you hope of a life spent with you so here i am to worship here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, Glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created. All for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to We begin the story of Good Friday with John 13. As he shares a meal with the disciples on Thursday evening, Jesus has difficult news for them. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. 
Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered in him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Jesus continued to teach and encourage his disciples. He explained what was to come and prayed for them as the evening wore on. Then the light of the world went out into the night. John 18. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Those who rejected Jesus' claim to be the light of the world, the light of life, saw no more in the darkness than their dim torches and lanterns allowed. Jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he. Jesus said, and Judas, the traitor, was standing there with him. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers, with its commander and the Jewish officials, arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul. What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul? For my soul to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. To God and to the Lamb I will sing, I will sing. To God and to the Lamb I will sing. To the great I am, 
The sheep began to distance themselves from the good shepherd. But two of the disciples hung on as Jesus was questioned at the homes of Annas and Caiaphas. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because the disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's court, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and the officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. The subdued light of the fire did not protect Peter from further scrutiny. Simon Peter was still standing there, warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Peter's predicted threefold denial is complete. Fellowship between the good shepherd and his sheep is broken. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. The way, the truth, and the life. Jesus had told the disciples in the upper room that he was on his way to the Father. What's more, he had declared that he himself was the way to the Father for them. But since then, his path has led from evening fellowship to betrayal in the garden, to interrogation at the house of Annas, to more of the same at the house of Caiaphas, and now to a sham trial before Pilate. How can this be the way? Jesus said, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Is this a path that simply leads away from the father? A path to destruction? Or does the path that creates a way back to the father go through Golgotha? By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jewish leaders did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. 
Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. The way, the truth, and the life. Pilate sees and publicly acknowledges the truth that Jesus is innocent. He sees that the Jewish leaders are distorting the truth to get rid of Jesus. But Pilate serves a higher master, Rome. And Rome demands that the Jews be kept from riots and rebellion. So Pilate sets aside the demands of truth and searches for a way to appease the Jewish leaders. Only truth can set us on the way to the Father. But how can truth triumph when liars rule? Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Has the way to the faithful Father been lost in a fog of falsehoods? Or is the true way made clear by contrast, by walking a straight and narrow path, when those who should be leading Israel to God have turned aside to evil? Pilate begins walking down the road of appeasement. Might the traditional prisoner release at Passover be used to free Jesus? No. The Jewish leaders prefer to see the rebel Barabbas freed. Perhaps a good flogging will satisfy and the mockery of the kingly robe and crown. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! Alas, the bottom line for the Jewish leaders is horribly clear now. Execution on a cross for an innocent man? This is not going well. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. The truth will out. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. The way, 
the truth, and the life. Pilate pays a steep price to appease the Jewish leaders, a life. Then again, there are two other men slated for execution that day, criminals. What was one more death if it quells the angry mob? How can there be life when the sentence is death? Jesus said, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Will this just be the tragic end of a good man's life? Or can a man condemned to die be the way back to life with the Father? So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. The good shepherd no longer carries a staff, he carries a cross, he no longer leads his sheep, he is led like a lamb to the slaughter. How can this condemned man be a good shepherd to us? When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, who lays down his life for the sheep, he also said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
Is this shepherd a pawn to be sacrificed to satisfy the political needs of earthly rulers? Or is this the chosen act of a good shepherd, sacrificing his own life to protect his sheep from the just wrath of a greater power? At Golgotha, they crucified him, and with him, two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. The bread of life is ripped and torn, feeding only the schemes of evil leaders bent on preserving their own power. The hands that broke the bread for the 5,000 are fastened to a cross. How can we receive nourishment from such bread? Jesus said, this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Have evil forces torn this bread apart so that it will be nothing more than a stale crust and dry crumbs? Or can the breaking of this bread provide the spiritual nourishment our souls so desperately need? Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The true vine has finished drinking the cup of God's wrath. The result is death. Jesus has said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. How can we be fruitful if we remain part of the dead vine? What fruit can such a vine produce? Jesus identified fruitfulness with love, saying, Greater love has no one than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Has this vine been chopped down because it cannot produce the fruit that was promised? Or was the final suffering and dying of this vine the ultimately fruitful act of love? Jesus gave up his spirit. The light of the world is extinguished. The spiritual forces of darkness declare victory. No longer will evil be exposed by light. No longer will people see a way out. How can we find our way when the only true light is gone? Why would the light have stumbled into so great a darkness? When he called himself the light of the world, Jesus also said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. The one who sent me is with me. 
He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Has darkness won? Or will this death illuminate a sinful world and show the way back to God? Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. Jesus, the resurrection and the life, is indisputably dead. There is no other prophet in the land to command him to come back to life, as Jesus did with Lazarus. How can we hold on to our own resurrection hopes when the resurrection and life is gone? Before raising Lazarus, Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Does death reign victorious? Or can this death somehow lead to life? O oh Lord, help us that we may see the glory of God. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to a cross of wood. This the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us. Took the blame, bore the wrath, we stand forgiven at the cross. Oh, to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin, every bitter thought, Every evil deed crowning your blood-stained brow. This the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us. Took the blame, bore the wrath we stand forgiven at the cross. Now the daylight flees, now the ground beneath quakes as its maker bows his head. 
Curtain torn in two, dead are raised to life, finished the victory cry. This the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath we stand forgiven at the cross. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to death, Life is mine to live, one through your selfless love. This the power of the cross, Son of God, slain for us. What a name, what a cost we stand forgiven at the cross. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. A different gate, the door to the tomb, is shut, sealed shut. There is no going out or coming in. The gate separates sheep from the shepherd, no familiar voice calls, no sure-footed shepherd leads, no staff protects. How can we, sheep prone to turn each to our own way, enjoy the shepherd's goodness and mercy when a locked gate is between us? The words Jesus spoke when calling himself the gate only deepen our distress. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Is Jesus, who claimed to be the gate, now sealed forever, immobile and useless behind the door of the tomb? Or will Jesus, the gate, beyond rescue, emptied of life, somehow use even his sealed-in, wrapped-up, spice-scented remains to open a door to the freedom of sweet salvation and renewed life? Where is the bread, the light, the vine, the shepherd, the way, the gate? The resurrection. 
And what would it take for us to know with certainty that the one who said, I am, still is? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Will you stand, please? We leave tonight carrying and being carried by words from John's prologue. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Words of promise and words of fulfillment. And now may the blessing of our God go with you, both now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen.